Hey, this is Travis Caudell with Riverbilly, and you're listening to what? RadioWhat.com. What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What Studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do I always send you? DJLittleRock.com. One more time. DJLittleRock.com. Check availability, get a free price quote, and maybe you can have me at your next event. You know I like to party with the people. The people need to be entertained. Are you not entertained? Let me entertain you. You know, I've been doing a lot of weddings, and uh, mostly I do do a karaoke show every week, at least one every week, one public show, and then... uh, on the, on the weekends, who knows? Who knows what it's going to be? could be a, a private event of any kind. Wedding, birthday, 50th wedding anniversary, 60th birthday, ah, you know, a hula dance, a theme party. Oh, you never know. You never know what you're going to get. I just like to be a part of the show. Speaking of being a part of the show, today on the program, I got Hunter Flanagan. Oh, that rings a few bells. You've heard of Hunter Flanagan? Huh. Well, you're going to hear a little bit more about Hunter Flanagan in the next few minutes. So stick around. This week's shows, the aforementioned one public show that I do every week, the Video Dance Party Karaoke Jam at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. Always a good time. Friday nights from 8 p.m. until 1230 in the AM. They got a full bar. I thought it was Dry County. Yeah, we got the alcoholics to prove it. Full bar, kitchens open. The more you eat, the more you could drink. It's not me. It's science. It's fuzzy science. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. (laughs) They also have pool tables. They got a pool tournament on Friday nights. So if you want to try your hand at playing pool and possibly make some money, you can do it at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. Video dance party, karaoke jam. You're the stars of the show. All I do is press buttons. Beep, boop, boop. Beep, boop, boop. Let me press a button for you. And you could sing for the people. It's a little concert starring each and every one of you. Speaking of concerts, little hint on who Hunter Flanagan is. I got him on Skype. So if you're listening to the audio version, I encourage you to check out the video version. And you'll see his pretty face right there next to me. It's uh, YouTube.com forward slash user forward slash Keys Dan. And you'll see Hunter Flanagan right next to me. All right, let's Skype Hunter Flanagan now. My goodness, right off the bat. The man's a professional. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> What's going on? Man, you already fit in my broadcast software. I saw that you had an interview before uh, on your YouTube page, and you were already set up. You got the headset, microphone. You are set up. You've done these interviews before. Well, listen, man, ever since 2020, we've all got to get used to Zoom and Skype. <laughs> You better believe it, brother. I got Hunter Flanagan in the house. What makes you famous? The podcast. Hunter Flanagan, man. I've been looking forward to talking to you for the last couple of months, it seems. I know that, uh, uh, well, uh, Miss Santa Benes 
from uh, Nashville Records. She set this up, and that was pretty nice of her. Uh, but uh, give the people an idea of who Hunter Flanagan is. Yeah, so I'm a uh, country singer out of West Georgia. I do a lot of like outlaw country and things like that. I do some acting and some singing. I uh, travel all around the Southeast a good bit, and I try to do this for a living. Who knows? Maybe it's working out. Uh, <laughs> That's about it. I won some awards, things like that, but typical yeah. story. Anybody that looks at your at your website, Hunter Flanagan, I think it's dot com, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's got uh, all your yeah, it's uh the hunterflanagan.com, I think. The the hunterflanagan.com. Yeah. And I'll definitely put that I in the show get notes. Ah, that's all right. Uh I guess uh what was it? The former president had to have like real in front of his name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he couldn't get his own name. I can't get my own name. I'm the president. <laughs> oh, well, uh, things happen. But I, I guess, well, that, I digress. I, I don't th- even think he's on social media anymore. Hmm. I don't I don't think so. I think he got kicked off a bunch of stuff. I think. Well, I was just listening to a podcast about that, uh, you know, with uh, uh, inciting you being a young person. And I want to pick your brain a little bit. Tell me about social media, man. Can it be used for good? Because I know your YouTube page is all full of great songs, a lot of cover songs of a lot of new country. Is that where you primarily are? But uh, can we survive with all this, with, with everybody having the same power or potential power of social media? Yeah, I think we're really reaching a, uh, a weird breaking point when it comes to social media because it's, depending on the platform, like things like Twitter are just, I don't even get on there because it's just a cesspool. But there's definitely places where it can do a lot of good. Um, it's, you totally have to utilize it. Like as much as I hate it, like I had to get a TikTok account and things like that. And I don't know how it works, but I had to get one to try to, you know, reach these kids nowadays because that's, you know, if they're, if they're not scrolling, then you're, you're not going to see you. You're so funny. I'm 52 years old, man. These kids, you are these kids. No, I'm, you know, I'm looking at your backdrop. And for those that are listening to the audio version, I encourage you to check out the video version, uh, youtube.com with the keys, Dan. And, and, and you could see the background. He's got a computer in the background. He's got a, a, you know, nice walls, a nice backdrop. When you're doing these videos, you know, if you know you're going to be put out there on YouTube, you have to pick a space that looks good behind you. Put some books up. Put a little flower over there. Put your name in the background. It, it's it's very set designed. You know, you have to be oh, like yeah. You uh, you really have to do all of that. And I'm literally just coming in from a gig. Usually, you would see the other side of this room too, because uh, I would have it facing the other way. And I have a bunch of books and like a nice fireplace and some awards and things on the wall. But like a much nicer area on this side. But uh, I just kind of threw this up in my fireplace and was ready to go. <laughs> you know, to me, when Jill Santabana is from Nashville Records, she she told me that you were at a gig, and I said on a Tuesday. Yeah, are you sure he's not working like his day job? You know, doing doing what he has to do, and so he can get his. Uh, weekend thing going or get his uh his career on track i mean was this a, a gig gig you know truth be told was it a day job that you know you had to schmo nine to five to make sure that you you make ends meet no i do this uh, i do this full time i do four or five gigs a week um this is it pays my rent 
Um, I don't think I'm technically qualified to do anything else at this point. I think it's music or bust. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've gotten a lot of jobs that I wasn't qualified for because I speak Spanish. But that's a whole nother story. You know, a lot. uh, I think I got a job driving a truck because I speak Spanish and it had nothing to do with uh, with driving a truck. But I digress. Tell me, tell tell me about. All right, you say you're an old man already. You're you're doing this for a living. Well, tell me about a young Hunter Flanagan. You say you're from Georgia, born and raised. Yep. Born and raised, well, what? West Georgia. I was born in a little town. Uh, I'd call it a one red light town, but we didn't have a red light. I was born in a little town called a Lowell, Georgia. You we can't had a, we had a gas station. <laughs> it's a one horse town, and they couldn't afford the horse. The horse, basically, yeah. the horse, horse got uh, sick, broke his leg, and we had to put him down. It's the law of the West, even though you're actually in the East. I guess it's the law of the South. But, you know, you're in Georgia and not just Georgia. You're in West Georgia. East Georgia is kind of beachy. It could almost be likened to kind of like Florida East Coast. But if you're in West Georgia, is it mountainous? Is it is it is it trees? Tell me about the terrain. Uh, Young Hunter Flanagan, what are you getting into in West Georgia? Uh, yeah, so I live out in like the a little bit, a little bit south of the mountainy, you know, Blue Ridge area. Like I work a lot in Blue Ridge. I go up north to work there at the wineries and things like that. Um, but where I live, I live right on the Alabama line. I grew up around there. Uh, a lot of hunting land, a lot of uh, farm, like farmland and things like that. We rode a lot of four wheelers growing up and things like that. But uh, mostly mud and four wheelers, and every now and then someone will burn a tractor tire for some reason. Well, that's me growing up. I, I grew up in the Everglades in in South Florida in. Um Miami, uh, Fort Lauderdale. You don't suspect that, you know, you hear Miami, you hear big city, but I was in unincorporated Broward. And uh, back in 83, my grandparents were nice enough to get me a Honda uh, three-wheeler, a um, a 185S. And all the kids on the block were very jealous because this 185S had shocks on the front. And most of the times, they did not have shocks on the front. So when you're riding your four-wheeler, your three-wheeler, your two-wheeler, if you don't have shocks on the front, you are going to hurt your bottom. And then if you're a boy, maybe other parts as well. <laughs> you know, but tell me, uh, you know, tell me, uh, were you an outdoorsy type guy? Are you typical to the you know country singer he grew up in the country and he likes it that way uh pretty much yeah i mean my my brother would did a lot more of the outdoorsy things than i did like he was more the hunter than i was uh it's funny because my name's hunter i never really did hunting as a kid um but the funny thing is like my brother would go out like he'd go hunting because he had the patience for that i don't want to sit in a tree stand for all hours of the day but up until like last week um the day before christmas my brother uh he got a deer and he gives me a call and he's like hey i'm in the woods we just killed a deer i don't know how to gut it you're gonna have to come over it's seven o'clock in the morning and i had to drive 45 minutes to my brother's property and go and gut a deer for him so it's christmas eve and i'm elbow deep in a deer trying to pull out bits so we're i'm a little bit southern not super much no, no, I, uh, no, no, I was born no, no, no. to beekeeping as a kid and i'm a scuba diver and things like that but that is a lot of bit southern okay you said <laughs> that you have no skills you can gut a deer okay i think that's part of a hank williams song i can skin a deer okay that is a skill to have where did you learn how to gut a deer and how did your brother know to call huh I got to call my hunter. I got to call my brother. Little brother, big brother. 
He's my big brother. He's a, he's he's turning thirty in January. <laughs> I gotta call my little baby brother Hunter to help me out of this big forest with a big deer. How did he know? And how did you know how to gut a deer? I don't know. I um people always been like not made fun of me. People always thought I was weird growing up because I uh I'm the guy who like I ate the organ meat. Like I told him I said I'll gut the deer, but I want like the liver heart like you got to give me all that stuff so uh i learned that from a young age we always made the joke one of them likes to shoot him one of them likes to skin him i believe that to be true i mean you know growing up i was fishing you know uh, mostly saltwater fishing in south florida uh, but uh, the 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 skill you have to have is to know how to fillet that fish so you don't get you know you're always going to get bones in certain kinds of fish when you're filleting them. But if you fillet them just right, it'll minimize that bone. Maybe you'll only get one bone in a nice size fillet. I mean, do you are you skill of a surgeon? Are you meticulous when you do this? And, and how how do you gut a deer? Do you have to hang it on a tree, or is it on the ground, or is it on a platform back of the truck? Where is it you're putting this deer? Yeah, um, I mean, we hung it up on a tree, but that was after we gutted it. That was when we quartered it. So, uh, you know, when you gut it, you kind of lay it on its back and cut all the bits off. And you pull the skin off. You reach your arm up in there and you pull the esophagus and all the guts just kind of come out. It's not that hard. And then we hang it up by the back leg and just kind of cut all the meaty parts off of it and pull the skin off. It's, uh, it's actually, once you get the hang of it, it's not that hard. It's just some people don't have a stomach for it, so... You know, when you pull your arm out, it's from here down, just viscera. It's not, hey, not all, a pretty sight. All those PETA people and vegans that were that are listening now, uh, you've probably already tuned out. I, I apologize. I probably should have said it beforehand. We're going to talk about hunting because I do have Hunter, your namesake, man. Even though you're not the actual hunter, you uh, really are. The, you're you're the, the, main, the main thing, man. It, it's one thing to shoot the deer, but if you don't know how to prepare said deer that you're nowhere you're wasting it and that's true and the, it, um, you're the and person we, we make need. a point to get as much as possible and i got a funny story about this uh, this last week when we were doing that with that deer i uh i literally had just finished getting everything all out we we're cleaning it up my uh my hands are i look like a 1920 surgeon and i've got this big like dark canvas apron that i wear it's nice i'm wearing like, a nice denim jacket and i'm covered in blood and what do you know, the FedEx truck pulls down our driveway and wants me to sign for a package. And he rolls down the window and he's just got shock in his eyes. And he's like, we got a package for uh, for the Flanagan's? And I said, yeah, you caught me at an inopportune time. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> think, sign I, I, I didn't think the FedEx people were, or the UPS people are making people sign during this time of COVID. Don't get near me. I just put the package down and step six feet away. Put your hands in the air. Don't touch. Basically. Yeah. I, you know, but that, that's a whole nother story. All right. So you, you prepare the deer. Who's cooking this deer? Uh, usually me. I, um, I was, I was always the cook in the family. I, uh, I like doing things like that. I, I'm a huge like fan of like cast iron and things like that. I, uh, I cook a lot on open flame. We go camping and all that, but I was usually the one that cooks cause my brother will forget he's cooking something and he'll, uh, He'll leave and he'll go off somewhere. Two hours later, we'll wonder what that charcoal is that's on our grill. And so that's I was me. always, uh, my mama taught me how to cook when I was a kid. So uh, I, uh, I, I, once, I once burned down my condo in Fort Lauderdale uh, cooking French fries because I forgot they were on. I went downstairs to go help somebody install their radio. And then I went, uh, and then he kind of looks behind me and says, uh, there's smoke coming out your window. I went, ooh, the French fries. Oops. Yeah. 
it's good to have somebody that's vigilant that's watching the food and you're going to make somebody a very nice mate uh if not now someday because you know how to cook man uh, that, that's a very important skill to have for for boys and girls you know and i i guess i'm joking i i did burn down my condo one time but i do know how to cook somewhat you know i could feed hey, myself you got your priorities set man you got to fix up the victrola before you finish the food all right without music you're nothing this is coming from a musician you better believe it and as young as you are coming up with the word victrola i want you to explain it i want people to look online after the end of this video uh, this video or audio and uh and check out what is a victrola my mom had a victrola and we had 78s and we yeah. had we had three 78s and we played on that victrola until we broke the spring on it i got one in my kitchen right now nice uh, nice wooden one what that okay that man knows music okay music has it been a part of your life your whole life hunter flanagan getting out of the woods and uh coming back into the house uh you know and, and into school are, when are you starting to play music? Yeah, so uh, uh, music was always super big when I was growing up. Uh, it's really funny because people always tell me, you know, I play a lot of like outlaw country and older country and things like that. I'm a sucker for the classics, you know, Hank Williams and Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, things like that. And people always tell me that I'm playing old country, but like I have a rock vibe when they watch me at a show. And I have to tell them like, yeah, because my mom... She listened to a lot of like 80s hair bands and things like Queen and Poison and things like that. <laughs> and my like other part of my family, my dad's side of the family, like my brother especially, when I would ride dirt roads and stuff with him, you know, they'd be listening to older country and all his friends would. So I learned about that when I was dealing with them. And I kind of gravitated more towards country. Uh, and then for somehow we went to and visited Gatlinburg once when I was uh, – maybe eight or nine years old. And we went up to we went up to the top of the mountain up there in Gatlinburg and they had a bluegrass band playing and I fell in love with bluegrass music and no one else in my family listens to it. They think it's grating when I listen to it, but I am a sucker for bluegrass and older country and all that stuff. And that's why I've learned how to play banjo and all that stuff. And to this day, I just, I like a good story and country music is really still has that to this day. Well, your mom had me at Queen. Okay, that's my favorite band of all time because they're so versatile. They could sing a rock song with a disco song, with a classic song, with a with a song from the 1920s. You know, they that voice of Freddie Mercury's was it's had what five, six, seven octaves. He, he was, was amazing. He can do it all. And, and if yeah, you, like uh, like his song, like Crazy Little Thing Called Love. When I listen to that, it sounds like an old like rockabilly. Yeah, like a rockabilly song, and then he's got Fat Bottom Girls, which I swore I cover that song. I swore up and down for the longest time that that was a Leonard Skinner song. I was like, no, that's Leonard Skinner. They're like, no, that's Freddie Mercury. <laughs> Freddie Mercury, my goodness. All right, so yeah, I like your mom's style, uh, taste of music, but then I also like your dad's taste of music because that was me growing up. I think one of the first records that my mom turned me on to was uh, a Waylon Jennings, and it was Willie and Waylon singing Luke and Bach, Texas. And we went to a map of Texas, and we went to look to find Lukenbach, Texas, or there is no Lukenbach, Texas. The best we found was Bach, Texas, and we were like, maybe it was look in Bach, Texas, and it got twisted around a little bit. We're gonna look in Bach, Texas, Willie and Whalen and the boys. Okay, 
music, man, it's been a part of my life. I can tell it's been a part of your life. You're a little bit country. You're a little bit rock and roll. That was Donnie and Marie. A little bit yes, country. A little bit. All right. But you have all those flavors coming down. You're primarily in the country. You cannot help. If you've been exposed to hair bands your whole life, you cannot help but have that seep in to the Hunter Flanagan juice. That it's in the energy, in. man. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. And, and I suspect, man, most of the country music now, like the rock of yesteryear, like 50s and early 60s, the, the country music, the outlaw country that you're talking about, even the new stuff. I, I know you, you sing, uh, oh, man, if I could remember what you were, what I was listening to. I was listening to a bunch of your, your songs on, uh, on YouTube and you, you, uh, Colt, some, Colt something and. Uh, a bunch of others, but you you sing a lot of the of the new country, which just sounds like the old rock. It's all mixed up. There are no genres anymore. Do you feel yes, like sir. Do you feel like country? It's not you know the twang of you you know uh, blues brothers uh, mm. when they went into that that uh, I don't know if you ever seen the movie, but they went into to Bob's Country Bunker and uh, John Belushi as uh, Jake Blues says uh what kind of music y'all listen y'all playing here and she goes oh we got both kinds country and western do you even get into country and western or is is new country beyond all that so when it comes to modern country and new country um because i think they're almost those two things are two different genres uh people are really quick to say that you know, modern country is, is horrible. It's bad. It's awful. You can't listen to it anymore. But there's a lot of good out there. You just have to know where to look. Like, I don't listen to the radio. Like, I don't listen to songs like what Luke Bryan or Kane Brown or any of them are putting out. I don't care for that. I think that's just pop music with a guitar in there or two. Um, but there's a lot of good new country out there. People like uh, Culture Wall and Tyler Childers and Sturgill Simpson and things like that who are more, if you know them, you know them. They're definitely like more on the indie side of things where they have such dedicated fan bases, but they don't have a single song on the radio. But I think that's more where country music is going because more and more it shows I'm meeting people who like that kind of, that style and Man, are I've, wanting to go more to that. And I think it's the people who are like staying true to the storytelling and just being true to themselves. Because country music is a lot more than pretty girls on the back of pickup trucks. You know, it's a, it's always going to be about like the working man. I think you just hit the nail on the head. The commercial radio is just that. It's commercial. It's formulaic. You, you, you got to mention a truck. You got to mention girls. You got to mention uh, grass. You got to mention your mama. It's exactly what David Allen Coe was saying. Mama got out of prison in jail. Literally. You know, it, it was this, you know, getting drunk. It's a formula. And you can overlap some of this commercial country. And yeah, that might be the stuff that people are calling. That ain't country anymore. But you're singing Tyler Childers, Co uh, Cody Jinks, the the underground country. When I was working on terrestrial radio, I've worked in radio stations where they have 400 stations, and there's usually one program director centralized someplace where he doesn't know. All right, he's programming music in Georgia, but he lives in Michigan. He don't know the know the people in Georgia. He doesn't know what people want to listen to down there. But he's got 400 stations that he has to program, so he programs them exactly the same way. And then I've worked for mom and pop stations where they only have maybe one or two stations. They'll have a country station and then maybe a rock station. And those you can bring on 
that music, that that storyteller music. You've hit the nail on the head. That is country music, storytelling. Tell me about your country music. Are you writing songs? Because I'm seeing covers. I'm seeing cover after cover. But are you writing songs or are you singing original songs? Yes, I do a lot of covers, um, especially on like my YouTube page because covers get views. And <laughs> but uh, I actually just released maybe three weeks ago. I released two singles that uh, were acoustic singles that are both really slow and they're like more ballad types. One is a murder ballad, which I've always wanted to write a murder ballad uh, called Broken. And the other one is actually a song about my guitar called Annabelle. Um, and I, last year during the pandemic in the middle of it in like June or July, I came downstairs to check the weather of all things because I'm an old man at heart and I watch the weather for fun. And it was right when everything was happening in 2020. Like you couldn't turn on the news without seeing one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. So I barricaded myself in my bedroom and I wrote a song about it. And originally it was going to be a slow song about being sad about the way the world is. Then I said, nah, we've had too much sad in 2020. So I'm just going to put it to a Johnny Cash beat. Um, so I made this really fast, like really funny song that I'm super proud of called World's Going to Hell. And it's got like... It got, it got a lot of radio play like right after, like in the middle of 2020. And it's got like almost 100,000 streams if I, like last time I checked. And I'm so proud of that song. All right. Truth be told, I do have it running on RadioWhat.com, sitting right there next to me. And I have uh, Broken, and I have the censored version of Worlds Going to Hell. How do you censor uh, censor that? What, what, I, did, I don't even think I've, I've listened to the, the full version. What, what, what is wrong with the, the full version? Why did you censor me? Uh, so I still have a lot of problems with some stations because I say hell and a lot of radio stations still have a problem with that word, even though it's a, a, a place. Like if I said Tulsa, they wouldn't have a problem. Um, <laughs> but I say, can I curse on this? It's not a, I'm not going to drop an F-bomb or anything, but. No, I mean, this is your podcast. People know Just that. When they, sure. It's the wild uh, west. People listen to whatever. True. I, uh, so I say shitty in it. Like I say we were dealt a shitty hand because I make a poker joke um, about saying the future's in the cards. We were dealt a shitty hand. I thought it was kind of clever. Um, so I had to I had to snip that because stations didn't want to play it. And I'm like, man, I've heard so much worse stuff on like radio when I've tried to listen to it. But it's, it's fine. I have no big deal. <laughs> Well, as George so yeah, Carlin, as the late great uh, George Carlin once said, those are that's, that's still one of the seven words you can't say on television and and, and on radio as well. Uh, so yeah, I guess you do have to cut that one word out. But hell, I, I guess they how could they have a problem with that? It's it is a place. It's in the Bible. Hmm. A lot of them are fine with it, but I did have a couple stations that say, "Is there any way you can get rid of that?" And I said, "Well, it's the title of the song, so no, that's the one I can't." <laughs> I mean, do you do you sing a version that says heck, heck, uh, H-E double hockey sticks? I mean, maybe I could, but it, it, I think it messes with the vibe of the song a little bit. It does, man. You know, <laughs> I don't want to limit anybody's creativity. I don't, I don't, you know, there's some, man, there's some songs that you feel like they're just cursing for the, for the sake of cursing. And there's some songs, it's a part of it. That's the, that's the way the guy talks, yeah. and, you know, and that's the, that's the way he writes that or she writes and that's the way they talk and that's the way they express themselves so words are words words are powerful i mean you can see some some people don't even want to want to hear that word on the radio and and it's power that you taken away from your from your creativity 
How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, don't know. I think I'm just going to start covering WAP at my shows. Uh, <laughs> need some Cardi B. <laughs> Ouch. On, hey, on Friday nights, I'm at a, an adult place, a, a, a club, a 21 and over. And, you know, I, I do a lot of karaoke shows and, and DJ a lot of weddings and stuff where I have families. And, and even I have a prom that's coming up. And, and, you know, you have to clean it up. But that one public show that I do on Friday nights, you never know what you're going to get. You're talking about country. I loaded up a list of uh, uh, what was called country rap. And I said, huh, there's a list of country rap. I think I'm going to expose these people to country rap. How do you feel about country and rap mixing together that's been going on since the 90s late 90s i think i think it depends um there's a total difference i moved my laptop at some point um i think there's a total difference between somebody who like was born and raised in the south or like someone who understands country music who can't sing so they rap instead like i think that's fine like i grew up with my brother listening to like colt ford and people like that so like i grew up with that um, but I do think that's okay. But I think there's a really problem with like rap artists who don't understand country music, who are just trying to capitalize on it to appease a wi- like a wider audience just to cash out. Like I think there's a problem with that. But again, that's the same with people like modern country doing you know just corporate things like that. So, well, I mean, you're a hop, skip, and a jump from Atlanta. There's a lot of a lot of music that comes out of Atlanta and Athens, Georgia, big college town. There's a lot of music that comes out of there. And it's not just one genre. Uh, there's so many bands that have come out of that particular part of Georgia that I have that I listen to, like, uh, you know, alternative rock and you know, Hootie and the Bowfish and R.E.M. came out of there. And I, I quite a few rappers that I, I can't that I can't rattle off the top of my head. But Hot Atlanta. I mean, that is that is a place. Have you ever played there? And and how does Hunter Flanagan fit in to uh, to a place that has all kinds of music, all kinds of uh, people there? I mean, I play all over the place. I played at some really weird venues. Like I played in a lot of places up near Atlanta. Um, When you get closer to Atlanta, they're not really looking for a country singer who's five foot five and looks like he's 12. So it doesn't really fly. But uh, but I've definitely played at some weird places like i played a place in um and like right over in alabama that up in like it was a brothel in like the late like the 1800s and they still keep it open as like a bar and it's one of the weirdest places i play i tell people man i'm going to play a strip club uh <laughs> i mean okay when you play something like that maybe back in the turn of the century was a brothel uh, all right do you feel the spirits do you feel the energy when you get on a stage that's older because I know when I was down in, in Miami and stay, you know, we th- we think here in the United States, anything more than 70 years old is old. But if, you know, I've never been to Europe, but some of that stuff is a thousand years old. Could you imagine going to a, a theater that's been around since the dark ages? Maybe Shakespeare was on this stage. Do you think you'd feel that ghost when you've done some of the older stages, when you do that, br- that was a brothel? That's now a bar now. And you can give shout outs to the places that have helped you along the way. I want you to give, you know, put put all this in the walking tour. Let people know where to find Hunter Flanagan playing. But do you feel a certain vibe, certain energy coming out of these places? You definitely do, especially uh, the place I'm talking about in uh, Alabama. It's a uh, it's uh, called Peerless. Um And you really do like when you go there, like there's still like the. Uh, 
the staircase on the outside that leads to a private upstairs room where like the cat house used to be. And the bar is this like beautiful mahogany piece that goes all across. It's got a big mirror on the back. Like it looks like something out of like Deadwood or Tombstone or something like that. Um, and when you walk in there, like you can 100% just because all of the decor is the same on like in the wall, they have like a, uh, like a uh, shadow box, like a bunch of, old liquor bottles and things like that that you could look at. And they have like newspaper clippings of like 10 type photos of like right when it was opened in like 1860 something or something like that. And it's really, you do, you feel like a sense of history there. And there's something about, it's like a really small stage right by the door. It's kind of set up like how all the bars are in like Nashville with like the stage by the door. It's like small thing, but you can, everybody can hear you. Um, and you like, you get on that stage and the, the ceiling has like this beautiful like crown molding and stuff on it. It's something that you would never see built today. And the fact that it's standing shows that it was made with the most amazing care in the world and it's definitely one of the cooler venues i've played at but yeah there's you can really feel a different vibe there it's insane man and and they knew how to build them and some uh, you know a good architect a good engineer knew acoustics as well i mean when you get some of these older places with a lot of old wood that the, the 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 music the the vibrations just bounce off perfectly. Oh, you are in heaven! I I, yeah. I imagine that. It, okay, but there, there's new venues. There there's technology as well that know that know how to how to set up acoustically. And, you know, oh, okay, I'll make it sound just right. But that old man, that old stage, that old theater. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There really it. isn't. And um, and that was one of the better acoustic places I've ever played at. Like, I barely turned my system up, and all the way in the back, they're hearing me perfect, and there's no echo, nothing like that. Like, today, I was at a venue that opened probably, like, four or five years ago, and they they built the thing like a barn. Like, it's all hard on the walls, and there's hardwood floors, and it's super high, and there's like a second-story loft up there. And I, they put me in this corner, and I start playing, and not only is there an echo, it sounds like I have a delay pedal going because I will sing, and a half-second later, I'll hear it come back to me. And it's the worst acoustics, and that building was made a few years ago. I just think you really need somebody. If you're going to have live music, you've got to have somebody musically-minded when you're building that place. Well, I know when I was a kid, when I first started DJing, and I've never played instruments. I've tried to pick up guitars. I've tried to pick up a harmonica. I have this great keyboard that nearly killed me when I brought it home from the from the uh, music store, but I'm glad that I have it. You know, it, I've tried to play all this. My my job is to play other people's music. I play you on RadioWhat.com. I play you at the clubs. Like uh, when I do uh, a country night, Hunter Flanagan's going to be on rotation and people are going to go, hey, who's that? I'm going to go, Hunter Flanagan. Huh, he looks 12. All right. Well, when I was oh, younger, <laughs> yeah, when, when I was younger, uh, you know, I would suggest, I would go, you know what? You need some panels to uh, soak up the sound because it's bouncing off the, you know, my two speakers are kind of bouncing off the walls. If you gave them a suggestion, would they listen? You know, now I, I do a venue that uh, I did a, a, a brand new venue for um, a wedding venue. And the, that the first day I was the I think I was the first wedding that was in there, and my music was bouncing off the walls. It was hard to I had to point my 
my speakers in a certain way down to the floor to see if I can minimize that. I actually pointed towards a couple of tables that had tablecloths on them. But I said, hey, why don't you put up some panels? And the next time that I went there, bam, these beautiful white panels that really didn't affect the the aesthetic of it, of it. Listen to my suggestion. That felt good. But you, as a musician, you have the ability to... Uh, to you know maybe suggest those things because you want the place to sound as good as possible for the people but that's a i mean that's just me making a statement you're talking about history history is where you get the stories do you do you are you do you love history are you do you have an affinity for history because when you were talking about that that you know was a brothel now a, a, a club you're you kind of lit up when you started talking about the history of it do you have you got did you get into history when you were a kid in school or yeah um when i was a kid i was super into like history and like science for like my two those are my two uh, things what music class but uh, <laughs> but yeah i am a, i'm a sucker for history on basically anything like when i got into uh i'm a when i got into scuba diving i'm a rescue diver i'm trying to become an instructor so was when I. I got into it I, I, I was just, I, I was oh, a firefighter down, no I was a firefighter down in the Florida Keys and I became a rescue diver but go um, yeah so like when I got into diving I didn't just get into diving like I was a sucker for the Jacques Cousteau stuff like I watched the Jacques Cousteau show and all that and you know he invented scuba diving and learning about how it came to be like with everything that I do I have a weird problem and a tendency to uh, to learn every single thing about the history of it and my family used to hate me for it because i'm that guy who has just the worst fun facts every single thing someone says i have a strange fun fact about it's like oh you know that came from here nobody wants to hear it (laughs) yes they do yes they do when i was on the radio the best thing that i i did was i would talk about the artist or i would talk about the mindset of where they were when they wrote this song you know or or i would hey remember when there were records I would pick up the records, but, you know, put put the record on the turntable and then I would read the liner notes, maybe a couple of a couple of lines from the liner notes. Oh, uh, Twisted Sister. Oh, you know, Dee Snyder was uh, going through a divorce when he uh, when he wrote this song. And, you know, here it is. You know, we're not going to take it, whatever. You know, just little fun facts. Those little tidbits. That's the fodder that you use to write those Hunter Flanagan songs. I imagine that I'm going to hear something about Jacques Cousteau and his aqua lung in a future song. I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there. I want to hear you, you know, because I know there was a song called Aqua Lung, but that was a whole nother Jethro song. <laughs> that was a whole nother song. You're going to write a song about the actual Jacques Cousteau's aqua lung inventing the self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. Yeah, that is going to be a song. Anyway, that's just me. But do you take, all right, in the science, tell me what you did in science. Were you that kid in the science fair that was uh, building the volcano, or did you go further? Uh, I never really went that far with it. I just really enjoyed learning about how different things worked and all that. And um, mainly I just have to attribute it. My, I had a, I went to a very, very small school. I think you can probably guess. Uh, we had like a, I think 40 students in my graduating class. Um, so my history teacher was also my science teacher and I liked my history teacher. So I had to like science. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. 
<laughs> that's du- that's doubling up, man. You know, and yeah, my school was kind of small too. It was a brand new school uh, in Fort Lauderdale called Western High School, and I think our graduating class it might have been a hundred. It might have been a hundred or so. But uh, you know, we were the second class that went through all four years, and that was pretty cool being in a new school. But you're in a small school, small small town, Hunter Flanagan, uh, and uh, and and you still look twelve. I'm not going to stop. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm like a dog with a bone on that. No, you grew a little facial hair, and it's uh, it grows like mine. I'm trying to grow a beard for probably the last couple of months. I got this Joe Dirt Joe Dirt thing going. It's real. Yeah, it's, my it's real my trash. grows in all white trashy like this. <laughs> it's in the blood, man. No, and that, and that's the kind. Well, the the songs that you wrote, the songs that you sing. I mean, how do you pick them? I, you know. How do you how do you find out about a Cody Jinx if it's not on the radio? How do you find out about Tyler Childers if it's not on the radio? Is there a Spotify? Is there an Apple? You know, how do you find out about this music that people need to be turned on to? Uh, so weird thing is you find like it's almost like a weird trail of breadcrumbs. Like I had a musician friend of mine, like one of my mentors who taught me a lot of the stuff I know. He's an older musician. I'm actually wearing his merch right now. Um, Shout out Greg Irwin. Yeah, Greg Irwin, uh, one of the better country singers out there, super indie country, makes some amazing songs, so check him out. Um, and he taught me every, like a lot of the stuff I know, and he turned me on to Tyler Childers. Uh, and like we went and saw him live, and he was basically just barely out of singing in like bars. And now I'm seeing him like packing out stadiums, and it's awesome to see how he's grown in like two years. Um, and you find one and then, you know, you're on Spotify or you're on YouTube or whatever. And you'll see like, oh, Tyler Childers did a song with this guy named Culture Wall. I'll check him out. So you check him out and then you're just like, oh, he covered a song that this Cody Jenks guy did. It's like, uh, and then you find one and it just leads you through the other. And I make a habit of trying to, you know, as a musician, especially, I get asked a lot because they hear you do a Tyler Childers song or a Cody Jenks. And they always, they'll come up and they'll say, oh, you do this guy. Do you know this guy? It's the same vein. And I always make a point, if I don't know them, I put them in my phone. And, you know, on my ride home, I listen to all of it. And I always try to make a point to listen to as many of those kind of artists as I can because the more you listen to, the more you pick up, and it changes the way you sing and your style and kind of etches you out as a person. Well, you're definitely giving people gems, Hunter Flanagan. You're letting people know if they sing covers, that gets them in the door. That, that'll put you in the corner of a bar, in the corner of a restaurant, in the corner of a festival – That'll that that opening for a certain, uh, you know, a certain group, you know, opening for people. If you have covers in your back pocket, that gets you in the door. But what do you really do? You want to be the party band? Do you want to be that guy that does parties and does the covers? Or do you want to be Hunter Flanagan? Original artist? So, of course, I think we're all all the musicians like me. We're trying to you know, push out our original stuff. And the way I do it is it really depends on the show. Um, when I do shows like the one I did today, which is at a winery, it was like a four hour gig. I was there for a while. I did a lot of covers cause that gets the tips and people listen. And I sneak in like two or three originals, like every hour or something like that. And that way someone comes up and they say, you did this, 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 and this, but like, what was that song in the middle? It's like, Oh, that was mine. Cause you have to let an audience know because you have, you have to sneak them in there. It's like putting peanut butter on like a pill for a dog. Because if you go into like a venue and you tell 
the audience that I'm going to be doing originals. Nobody's going to listen to you because to a lot of people that are just in audiences, especially when they're at a restaurant or like a menu venue, as I like to call them, um, they're not there to listen to music. But if they hear a cover that they really like, if something they know, they know the lyrics to, they listen. And if you just tell them point blank, this is one of my songs, nobody's going to listen because to a lot of people in like audiences, if it's not something they've heard on that's worth listening to. So you really have to like sneak it in there if you can. But I also do a lot of like some bigger ticketed events. Like I open for uh, Mark Wills and people like that. When I do shows like that, where people are there just to listen to music, I do a lot more originals because they're there to listen to me. Like they're going to listen. These people are people like a music festival or things like that. Like people are there to enjoy music. It really depends. Like you have to know your venue. I got you, man. But I, I have heard uh, people like that, uh, people on a certain level, such as yourself, where you're playing clubs, you're 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 a solo guitarist, you know that. I mean, and, and I'm jealous. I, I'm definitely jealous of a solo guitarist because you pick up a guitar and you're mobile. You can you you go, man. You don't have to set up a whole lot of equipment. But yeah, um, I'm the worst guy at every party. Yeah. yeah <laughs> okay. I, I've seen Animal House. I gave my love a cherry. <clears throat> Mm, sorry okay Look, even i don't do that so okay all right the g- <laughs> guy with a guitar at the party yes not, I'm that's not a be thing. that guy that's a thing though <laughs> but um you have the power to change minds but i've seen it i've seen uh solo guitarists to where they'll play three or four covers kind of hook the audience and then they'll say hey you want to hear one of my uh, one of my originals and who's gonna go no boo has that ever happened to you? Uh, I've never had that happen. Actually, a lot of times I will be at a venue and it's actually kind of cool when someone will come up because I always make a joke in my shows. I'm like, look, I take requests because uh, I keep like a little phone stand. I don't keep my phone on there, but I put it on there if I have a request. So that way I can look it up. Um, and I'll tell people, man, I have a request. If you have a request and $5, I'll get to it when I can. $10 next in line. If you slip me 20, you can sing with me. I don't care. What? Uh, <laughs> but people will come up and they'll say, well, I want to hear one of yours. And that is like one of the coolest feelings in the world. When someone like asks you to play one of your own songs and I'll usually just offer, I'll be like, do you want a slow one or a fast one? And usually I'll play one of the ones that's like on Spotify, but um, I don't have that, but I do have a kind of funny story that's in the same vein. I, uh, I was doing a gig and I went to play a song and I said, I'm going to play a Merle Haggard song for y'all. And everybody just stopped. And they said, no, we don't really like Merle Haggard. This isn't a venue for that. We're not, we're not, we don't like that old stuff. And I was like, okay, how about a Grateful Dead song? And the whole place went wild. And I sang Mama Tried. (laughs) 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 No one knew. Got him. (laughs) No, that's fantastic. People People don't know that things are covered. You were talking about bluegrass. Bluegrass, I liken it to reggae, uh, you know, where they... They take a pop song that's very popular in America somewhere and they'll turn it into a bluegrass song. I, you know, Hayseed Dixie made a whole living out of turning your mom's favorite music, those hair bands and those 80s songs into bluegrass songs. You oh, know, yeah. Are you familiar? Yeah, um, I don't know if it's the same band. It might be. Um, like that thing pops up on like YouTube all the time with those people who did a bluegrass cover of Thunderstruck. And it's like things like that are really popular. It's like super cool. Um, yeah. and, and the exact opposite. A lot of songs people don't realize are bluegrass songs before they're popular. Like uh, I was talking about Tyler Childers. Anybody who's like a huge fan of him uh, knows his song Rock, Salt, and Nails. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a old bluegrass song from the 70s. 
uh, he, you know, Tyler Childers released it in like 2008 or something. It's a 70s bluegrass song by one of my favorite bluegrass artists. And he just, he passed away like two weeks ago. And I was saying it at a show today. I was like, I'm going to do some Rock Salt and Nails by uh, J.D. Crow. Like, that's a Tyler Childers song. I was like, no, it's by this artist. He did some awesome songs back in the day. You had on that one. I had no idea. But I remember... <laughs> I remember years ago, this is probably in the, in the early 90s, I'm playing at a show and I play a uh, Stevie Wonder's uh, Higher Ground and they go, huh, who, re- who remade this Chili Peppers song? Ouch. I'm old. <laughs> you know, I felt, I felt like I was getting old and I wasn't, I wasn't even all that old. I was just out of, just out of college. Come on now. All right. Yeah. All right. You like, no. go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, please. Um, so, it's another one. It's one. This one really bothers me. And there's always a guy who knows it. This is a very common one, but uh, it bothers me that my favorite artist, hands down, is uh, is Old Crow Medicine Show. I love the band so much, and they're the guys that wrote and performed Wagon Wheel, which everybody thinks is a Darius Rucker song. And I said, Nah, 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 nah. Hootie didn't write that. Come on. Like Bob Dylan wrote the chorus, and then Old Crow finished it up. <laughs> That's fantastic. See, and you know your stuff. Just you knowing that Bob Dylan wrote that song. And, and you know, Willie wrote a lot of songs. And Dolly wrote a lot of songs. And, and you know, they wrote songs for other people as well. Th- that lets me know you know the history of music. When you were in school, were you taking music lessons? How did you learn how to play guitar? And you have a guitar that you actually named. And that tells me you love that thing, man. I do. Um, So I learned guitar and music in the most unorthodox way possible Um, because my brother grew up and he was the person who he started a lot of hobbies and didn't finish them. So when I came along, my mom basically said, look, if you want to get into music, if you want to get into this, this, this and this, you got to show me that you want to do it because I'm not going to go through and waste thousands and thousands of dollars on you getting music classes for you to give it up and say you don't want to do it tomorrow. So, uh, perfect Southern mother. Um, (laughs) so I was in my school band. I was a drummer in like middle school. Uh, I was a drummer first. I like to hit things. Um, but I started singing at 16 months old. I knew all the songs and dances to wizard of Oz. I came out of the bedroom and I was doing the 10 man dance. And at that point, my family knew I was going to be a musician or a spree killer. They didn't know which one. Uh, and then I did some contests when I was like seven or eight years old and I performed like at festivals and things, the kid things and a lot of recitals at school, but then it kind of fell off and I wanted to do it seriously when I was maybe 13 or 14. So I started going to more festivals. My grandmother would drive me to these, uh, and she, she practiced with me cause she, my whole, my whole mom's side of the family, they're musicians. Uh, my mom, she sang and did like, she was Annie when she was uh, younger. And my grandmother was like a backup singer for a big band in the fifties. Uh, and so they taught me a lot of stuff about that. And they showed me to these festivals and I sang on the back of a lot of pickup trucks. I did it very Southern. <laughs> and I didn't pick up an instrument for the longest time. I picked up a ukulele first because I thought that was going to be cool. <laughs> And no one told me that it wasn't until after I learned. And then everybody learned ukulele. And I was like, okay, I'm not doing this. Jason Mraz came out with that song. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it anymore. So I threw the ukulele away. And I picked up a couple instruments. I know uh, I I can work my way around a lot of weird instruments. But the one that really stuck with me was guitar. I I got a, a... nice to use secondhand guitar, a little Ibanez, and I I sat down on YouTube and I just 
I played a D chord and C chord and a G chord. And I was like, wow, I know Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, you I do. Can, I can play Leonard Skinner. I can do this. And I um, learned in the most back alley way possible. I've never had a lesson when it came to singing or any of my instruments. I learned a lot on YouTube and a lot just literally the old school way, just uh, like Brian Adams said in like summer of 69, man, I played it till my fingers bled. Uh, and then I learned banjo again, just weird. I was walking through a flea market and I saw one for sale and I was like, you know what? I like bluegrass. Let's get it. And then I did the same thing with guitar, banjo, mandolin, some Celtic harp. Cause my grandmother loved Irish music. I mean, we're, we're Flanagan's. So I had to learn Irish songs. Gilson, and, I'm uh, Irish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my grandmother, we just, we, uh, we sent her ashes off on the cliffs of mower earlier this wow. year. So, wow. So, uh, Sorry for your loss, but what a way to send her off. That's beautiful. Wow. She, uh, that's, that's, what, that's all she wanted. So our family went and did it, uh, in sometime this summer. Um, and yeah, so that's how I learned a lot of my, I, I even know like, uh, like the small accordion, like the concertina, the little tiny one. Cause I, I grew up and I liked sea shanties as a kid and things like a lot of Irish music had things like that. So I wanted to learn it. <laughs> you have so many tools in your box, you know, that you can make your own album. I, what was it? The guy, uh, oh my goodness. The one who he, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember who it was. But he was sitting in his living room with his recording equipment, and he recorded a whole song without his band. He was just, you know, recording a demo, thinking about it. He played the drums. He played the guitar. He played the bass. He played all the different parts and sang it. And uh, all the other kids with the pumped up kicks, that, that song, Pumped Up Kicks, from uh, 2018 or 19. He did it all himself, sent it into his record company. They liked it. They they sent it out like that. And uh, his band was going, but wait, we didn't even play on that thing, you know? But you have all uh, these tools, man, especially that concertina. I can see you dressing up as a monkey. Dance, monkey boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, like, like a little hurdy-gurdy, get a, get a monkey, like an organ peddler monkey, get a monkey to go out and grab some, um, some like, change people's hands, man, like they used to do at fairs. Yeah. I could do that. Yeah. Uh, well, this is where your big yeah, brother Prince. comes in, man. Prince Tell is him, famous. Put him in a little bellhop suit. Put your, your big brother in a in a bellhop suit and say, yeah, dance, monkey boy. Put a little on him, put a little vest. It will work. Dance, monkey boy, dance. Ah! No, your big your big brother is kind of I kind of feel like he's like me to where he tried a bunch of things and you know maybe it hit maybe it missed you know I was a firefighter for a while I worked at a hardware store I've been you know I've DJed that's probably my longest thing is since 86 I've been doing that on and off but you know in the middle there was an EMT and you know I worked with the helicopters you know there's little little things that I like to do but him being so flighty got you to get on the right track to get on this path and head in the right direction man you are making music and that is your living you know how many people want that you know how do you have you counted your blessings right i uh, i wake up every morning and i'm like look because like, i you know i always tell people this is the best job in the world but to me it is still partly a job like i it's fantastic i wouldn't trade it for anything you know, you're doing this five days a week and I'm traveling. Like I traveled two hours to my show today and I drove back uh, and it was a four hour gig. Um, so, it, you know, that's a good eight hours of work pretty much. Um, and, you know, it also the practice and going into guitar shops and getting strings every other day. And it's, it is it is a lot of work. And I do. I still get those days where I wake up and I'm like, ah, 
I really don't want to go. Maybe I could just call in. Maybe I could just like, then I'm like, I hit it. Like then there's like a second. I'm like, but I could be working at Walmart as a greeter. So I'm going to just enjoy what I got and just be happy. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'd love to be a greeter. Hey, welcome to Walmart. Get your stuff and leave. No, no. But, uh, but you're working for yourself primarily. It's the hardest job in the world. You already said you have to be on TikTok dancing around. Dance, monkey boy. Get some followers. Get some followers. Like me. Please like me. I need to make a living here, right? So the funny, the funny thing about that is, um, I I didn't get the I, I call it the tic tac because I think it makes it makes people younger than me completely viscerally angry. Cringe. Uh, um, so my I have, you know I have a couple promoters like people like Natural Entertainment and uh, like my mom and a couple other promoters that help book shows and things like that, and they were all yelling at me for so long. You need to get TikTok. You have to. Everybody's on TikTok. Everybody's getting on TikTok. They're doing this and this. And eventually I said, look, I'll get on TikTok, but under one condition, I will not do any of the trends and I don't dance. <laughs> look, God didn't bless me with rhythm. I got everything but that. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much my move right there. I do the, I do the double Dutch like I'm, <laughs> like I'm using a jump rope. Um, dance. Come on. It's TikTok. You got to dance. Play a little Hunter Flanagan song in the background and dance to it. Show them, show them the uh, the special Hunter Flanagan dance. Oh, it's special, all right. Oh, uh, special. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, Hunter, I'm having a good time with you. I've had a good time with you. Uh, you know, you're at this level to where you're making a living, playing your own music. Where do you want to go from here, man? Do you want to put out records? And uh, who's helping you get to that next level? You already mentioned your mom and uh, Nashville Entertainment. Uh, they're helping you to get in that to that next level. But primarily, are are you independent or is Nashville Entertainment is something is that something like a record that company? I, I still don't know exactly what they do. Is that how are they helping you? So there are a lot of promotion. They they definitely they book a lot of interviews and things like that. Things that I don't really have avenues for because um, I have booking people who book me shows. I have people who run like my social media every now and then, and I have National Entertainment who they book me a lot of things like this. They book me the the more face to face things where people can get to know my personality for better or for worse. Um, but my plans for the future is I always. I always say that I'm happy, but I'm never content. Like if someone told me tomorrow that I was never making it past this level, I would be perfectly happy with that. But cause I love what I do and I love where I'm at, but I'm always striving for the next thing while still appreciating where I'm at and what I have. Um, and I'm trying to slowly, I'm releasing more music. Finally, I'm getting more into that. I found some, like an actual studio that I really enjoy and I like what they put out and I like the work that they do. And I even release some stuff acoustically like my broken and Annabelle, you know, I release, I recorded those upstairs in my bedroom. Um, and I'm trying to slowly move away from the menu venues and moving more towards like ticketed events and things like that. I've done a, before COVID, I did a good few shows that were ticketed and people actually paid a few dollars, like for a cover charge and came and saw me in like a theater kind of area. And like me and a couple buddies of mine, we put it together. I'm really trying to move towards a lot more of that stuff. Uh, it's kind of been on hold now that people are wanting like, you have to like, if you're booking shows like that, you have to like deal with like vaccination cards. It's a huge mess right now. And so I'm kind of holding off on that, but that's definitely what's going next. And I'm trying to get more of a social media presence out there 
and things like that. And yeah, but just, Hunter Flanagan, that's another gamble, man. You could either get a small show where you get the money up front. You get several of those. All right, maybe you make 200, 300 a day, maybe 150. Maybe maybe you got to prostrate yourself and, oh, 100 bucks. Really? What? No. Huh? For who? How much? Yeesh. Okay, but, you know, you prostrate yourself and you get that money up front. Or, or you can get that 5,000, 10,000, 18,000 seat venue and gamble that you could fill that place up and either take the door or half the door, you know, depending on what you can. It's a gamble. I mean, this is, this is the music business and the entertainment business as a whole. The money's great. The money can be great, but the work's not steady. Man. No, it's not. Um, so how I do it and how the plan is, uh, I did this little, not little, but this nice auditorium that's uh, that was up in North Georgia. And it had maybe really intimate venue, like 200 seats or something like that. And me and a buddy of mine, we pretty much packed it out. Respectable. And then all of a sudden, you can I can now put on all of my venues that I've been a sold out artist which people love labels headliner <laughs> and headliner. Yeah, exactly headlining artists sold out shows and moving towards things like that and it's the same with band gigs see i do a lot of these acoustic shows these solo acoustic shows they pay my bills they keep food on the table they're fun but they keep they're they're my steady work i can i book those out six months a year in advance and i have all that to work on and that lets me do things like band shows and things like ticketed events that are more of a gamble. I might walk away with nothing. I might walk away in the hole, but I get to do those because they're the fun part of it. Like that's the touring part. That's the, that's the, it's not as much of a uh, tedious job as an acoustic show would be. But it is a gamble. You've already said it, man. You may lose your shirt and nine out of 10, you will. You know, you got to know that starving artist is not, you know, it's not, yeah, it's, not a, a it's not a phrase out there because for nothing. It's real, man. But uh, you've gambled on yourself, Hunter Flanagan. And I commend you for that, that, you know, the thing about being a musician and, and uh, are you a family man? Do you, do you have a girlfriend? Do you have the, the prospects of, uh, of, of having a family and getting married and all that? Uh, I I see marriage at some point in the future. Right now, I'm living the single life. I just turned 21, so I'm yeah out all <laughs> out well, all night. <laughs> once you have other people that you're responsible for, you know, a partner, uh, kids, you know, you have other people, then you start worrying about insurance. That is a thing that doesn't come, you know, with being an independent artist or or a musician in general. You got to buy your own insurance. Some of that stuff, four hundred a month. 500 a month, 1000 a month to get insured. It just just that alone, man. I I definitely commend you. You got to people go, "Oh, how come it's 20 bucks for a ticket? How come it's 80 bucks for a ticket?" They got expenses, man. You got people that they're, you know, there's bigger bands, they got roadies, they got people promoters, they got people that are they're paying. If they come away with 10% of whatever they you paid at the door, they they consider themselves lucky, fortunate. So I mean, it's it's a it's a a a, a, a crapshoot, you know. It's oh yeah, a, you it, know. Um, there's a there's a joke that's going around in a lot of like the musician circles that I follow. Uh, a lot of people are sharing it around. It's it talks about like you know venues complain about 
how they have to pay an artist, you know, 50 bucks an hour or something like that for their gigs. But they don't realize you're not just paying us for three hours to sit in the corner and sing. You're paying us for the two hour drive there, the gas, the expenses that I've spent to buy my equipment, my guitar. And, you know, that musical equipment isn't exactly cheap. You said yourself, you bought keyboards, you know, it's not. It's not cheap. <laughs> yeah. And the time and, it took to learn those 200 songs. Yeah. 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 The time. I mean, uh, well, man. I see somebody. My brother chilling out over here. You know, you're right in the camera. <laughs> well, that's all right. He's part I of the story it. anyway. We've been talking about Big Brother Monkey Boy. He me out. <laughs> <laughs> learn how to skin a deer. Learn how to cut, uh, uh, gut a deer. Right? <laughs> He's going to listen to this and, and give you noogies, man. I know it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, he gets it. No, that's cool. I, I grew up with a brother, too. I was I was the older brother. And I, and I think he was the more focused brother because he ended up going in the Navy. And he ended up, you know, getting his life straight and... and I think big brothers and little brothers like that. Big brothers will make all the mistakes and, and the parents will learn from what those mistakes were. And the little brother, he'll get taught right. So little brother, you got taught right, man. You're making okay, music. He was a guinea pig. Yeah. You're making music for the people. And I appreciate that. And I'm sure the people appreciate it. How do people get a hold of you? How do people support you? Do you have merch? Uh, is there a Hunter Flanagan hat or a t-shirt or a CD? Or, uh, you know, CD. Who buys CDs? Wait, is there... <laughs> I'm on 8-track. <laughs> ah, that's right. You got that right. No, no, we're talking those 78s to put on your Victrola. Ah, yeah, exactly. Call back. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've got, you know, I got all the social media, all the millennial stuff. Uh, it's Flanagan, F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. A lot of A's, a lot of N's, no I's. Uh, you put an I in my name, you might find a hunter. He might be able to sing, but it ain't going to help me because it ain't going to be me. Uh, I have a website, thehunterflanagan.com, and you can stream all my music basically everywhere music is sold, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, the Tic Tac. Uh, and I do, you know, I take I take private shows. I do weddings, funerals, bar mitzvahs, anything that pays. I have no shame. Uh, <laughs> I haven't done a funeral in so long. I did an Irish wake years ago. That was probably one of the craziest, wed- craziest uh, things, e- events I've ever done. Irish wake. Ah! And the weirdest thing is, it was probably fun. <laughs> the best. They did karaoke. They were singing, man. Oh, so good. Award-winning, man. If anybody, and I encourage you to go to thehunterflanagan.com. The man doesn't just make music. He gets awards of making music. That's got to feel good. Accolades. People saying, that music wasn't was good enough for me to actually take the time to put your name down. And vote and get yeah, it. Yeah, I um I won actually I have them right here. I won a Georgia Country like the overall artist of the year. Like I won Teen Artist of the Year when I was eighteen, and then I won overall artist twice. And I uh I pulled myself out of the running this year because I figured three times was enough. I really like I this opened a lot of doors for me, and I really wanted to you know let someone else reap the benefits of that this year. So uh, all right, old, Hunter, uh, Hunter Flanagan. Congrats to uh, Josh Corson over there. He he took the title from me, man. I'm, I'm uh, proud of him. <laughs> Well, Hunter Flanagan, we could find you around around Georgia. Are you touring? Are you planning to tour anyplace else? I mean, with your ukulele, you can head over to Hawaii and uh, you know maybe play the islands a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe I have to learn ten drum and I'll head down to I head down to the Bahamas. Oh, you better uh, believe it. No, nah, so I I'm all over the Southeast. I'm in Tennessee tomorrow and the next day. Like I'm in uh, Dayton and then Nashville. I tour all the way out west to uh, New Orleans is the farthest I've made it, and I tour all over the Southeast places like that. So 
any permanent and, places, any residencies that you that you go to often, maybe once a month, maybe once a week? Yeah. Um, if you go to anywhere around Blue Ridge or the LJ area, if you're checking out any of those wineries and you want to get some of that great wine, there's a five will get you 10 that I'll be at one of them pretty much every weekend, either Bear Claw or Fainting Goat or one of those places up there. <laughs> Put those on the walking tour, man. The What Makes You Famous walking tour. Every time you get shout-outs. All right. As we wind this thing down, I want you to give shout-outs to the people that have helped you along the way. Uh, your mom, your brother, uh, anybody else that's uh, helping you along the way. And yeah, then we'll my, do last uh, words for the people. Yeah, my mom, my brother, um, all the people that were out there at, uh, at a little place where I just started singing. Uh, it was a place called Gustin's. It, they did, I did some of my first open mic nights there. So all the people that are out there, you know, people like Freddie Shelby and uh, Greg Irwin, I already mentioned him before, but he's, he, I cannot express how much he's done for me. Like he, my guitar, my Annabelle, man, he, uh, he, he set me up with that guitar and I fell in love with it immediately. That was his old guitar. Um, all the people like that, uh, definitely George Country, Nashville Entertainment for setting this up. I mean, come on, like Jill's the best. Jill and TJ. Yep. <laughs> no, I, and all so, people like that. Well, tell me about that guitar. Uh, what kind of guitar is it? Uh, so my guitar is a Martin CEO Choice from 2001. You know, it was a, it's number 280. It's got, you know, it's got the signature in the bottom of it. I fell in love with it. So I was doing a gig where me and Greg were splitting a show at a winery because I had to go somewhere the uh, second half. So he offered to cover the second half of it for me. And we were doing the show together, basically. And we were sitting there, we were doing a dual show. And I, something happened with my guitar, the uh, the electronics inside. I think my nine volt died inside or something. It was something. It was some. It was a while back, right when I was getting started doing this, and I didn't have all those means yet. That's the and, Ibanez, uh, right? And he loaned me his uh, his Martin that he had as his backup guitar. It was it was in the uh, it was in his truck, and he brought it out to me, and I put the guitar on and I, I cannot exaggerate. Like I'm not a, usually like an instrument, you know, a gearhead kind of guy, but I put the guitar on my, you know, shoulder and I just, I swear, I could have swore I heard like angels singing somewhere. Like I fell in love with it immediately. <laughs> and I told him, I said, I'm buying this from you. <laughs> this guitar is mine now. It's mine. It's Hunter Literally, I, I went home with it that day. I was like, you're not getting it back, man. I, I, I will give you all the money in my wallet. <laughs> You know, and from what I've heard, I'm not a gearhead either, you know, from what, at least not with uh, instruments, what I heard, it's either Martin or Taylor, and you got yourself a Martin uh, signature, you know, 200 and something, you said? Yeah, a number 280 of their of their CEO choice of that year. And yeah, it is. It, there's definitely two schools of thought, either Martin or Taylor. Um, Taylor, they have a more bright sound. It's, it's a lot better for pop music and like more bright things like that. And Martin has a really nice, because the Dreadnought design has a really nice, mellow, old school. It has a twang to it that, I, that you just fall in love with. And it's just, it really works with the type of music that I do. And it's got a nice full sound. The guitar is as big as I am, but it's fine. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's got the Hunter Flanagan sound, man. All right. I don't want this to be the last time we talk. I've had a bang up time chatting with you and finding out more about you, uh, you know, where Hunter Flanagan came from. I usually, uh, so uh, as things progress, I want you to come back and chit chat with me. It doesn't have to be as long as this. We kind of went through your life story a little bit and, and find out where you're from, where you are, and then where you're heading. But uh, as we wind this thing down, I usually finish off with last words for the people. Hunter Flanagan, this could be words to live by, something you heard a long time ago, maybe a mantra you wake up with every every morning and say, look in the mirror and say this, or 
whatever pops into your head at this moment in time. Hunter Flanagan, give the last words for the people. Yeah, um, I guess it's just last words for anybody. It doesn't even have to be about music, but anybody who's wanting to do anything, just uh, go do it. I don't know. I don't care what it is. It could be anything. If you want to you know, book that vacation that you've been thinking about, uh, go on that trip. Tell that girl that you have a crush on that you like her. Uh, if you're looking to get into music, go buy a guitar, get into it, try it. Just, this is, this is, you, you're looking for a sign. Like if you have a sign for something, this is, this is me telling you from my heart, you know, go, you know, go, go order the extra guac tomorrow. Do, do whatever you want to, but, uh, whatever you've been waffling on, this is, this is me telling you, just go do it. Just go try. The worst that could happen is you fall flat on your face, but you know, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off. It's part of the human experience. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Hunter Flanagan, country through and through. Yeah, he's not a little bit country. Well, all right, a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll. But that's his parents uh, giving him that good, that good musical education. Yeah. And his brother, you know, helping him, guiding him along this path, making sure that he stays on that path. To musical stardom you're well on your way hunter flanagan to being a musical legend man legend yeah i said it i put it out in the universe and i, I expect to hear that song uh, that uh, kind of references jacques Cousteau in the near near future i expect it not that i commissioned it but i expect it <laughs> All right, party people. Thank you so much, Hunter Flanagan, for being on the What Makes You Famous podcast and telling a bit of your story. I look forward to talking to you again at some point in the future. The future? Now, I'm talking to you. I turn my attention to you. If you, my loyal listener, if you would like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call, 501-470-6386, or email keysdan at aol.com. That's it for this edition of What Makes You Famous. It's Keys Dan, RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Follow Keys Dan on Facebook and Twitter. Click on the links at the top of KeysDan.com. Follow Radio What on Facebook and Twitter. Click on the links at the top of RadioWhat.com. The music you want is on. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter at Makes Famous. And follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keys dan email info at radio what.com what makes you famous podcast is a production of keys dan enterprises incorporated at keys dan.com thank you for listening radio what the music you want with some great, great quotes it is the mark of an educated man to be able to entertain a thought 
without accepting it. Aristotle. The music you want. RadioWhat.com. <laughs>